This is Your Own Best Company, a podcast for people who love to work alone. Hey there, everybody. Franklin Taggart here, and this is Your Own Best Company. This is a podcast for people who love working alone. Um, and I am one of you, um, working alone is something that, uh, there's a handful of people that I've met who actually prefer that over working in a team environment or working in an organizational environment. Um, we have a tendency to really love having a door, uh, on the room that we're in and free reign with our tools and our imagination for long periods of time. That's not to say that we're antisocial. That's just to say that we love those big blocks of alone time. Uh, my guest today is Brooke Monahan, and Brooke is a very interesting human. Um, it's, it's, it's hard for me to put into uh, one real quick synopsis, but I asked her to give me some bullet points, and here's what she gave me. She is a trusted advisor to purpose-driven entrepreneurs with 10 plus years experience in business management. She's a true believer in the power of passionate weirdos. Now I can get on that train. Brooke teaches entrepreneurs to harness their rule-breaking spirit as the foundation for a sustainable, values-aligned, impactful business. She's also the host of the podcast, Transcend Your Dichotomy. And I've just had the pleasure of listening to a couple of episodes of that. And I want to encourage you, uh, after you listen to this episode, to go subscribe and listen to that one as well. Um, Brooke, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. And um, yeah, anytime that people spend, a, you know, time cultivating a platform like this and then allow me to take up any amount of space on it, I'm always so grateful. So I'm really excited to be here and really grateful. It's a whole lot of fun. And, um, yeah. you're, you're my kind of people I can tell already. We had a, a, a conversation a few days ago and got to know each other a little bit. We were introduced by our mutual friend, Audrey Holst, who many of you who've listened to the show will remember because Audrey's been on now, I think four times and we're working on a fifth. So I'm working um, on number two for Audrey on my show. So oh, great. Isn't she awesome? <laughs> yeah. Love Audrey. Uh, so we're, we're both members of the Audrey Holst fan club. Mm -hmm. She just, her work is just so, um, I say this every time that Audrey comes up, but for me, she's such an example of a person who takes like depth of work so seriously. Yeah. Like she just, yeah, the integrity and the depth of the body of work that she has created to me is like mind blowing. And so, yeah, love talking to Audrey. She's still so young too. It's just like, <laughs> okay, why? Yeah. <laughs> Slow down. You move too fast. Um, Brooke, talk to me a little bit about, you, you have some years of management experience. Mm -hmm. And uh, for the last little while, you've been focused on, on working now with entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. I'm really curious how that jump even occurred to you. Yeah. Um, from working in a manage managerial type of a role to being more of a, con a mentor and a coach and a consultant for entrepreneurs. How did that happen? Yeah. So I've always been obsessed with entrepreneurship and I always knew that I wanted to work for myself. And I just, I mean, for as long as I can remember having any 
actual thoughts about what I wanted to do. I just knew that I didn't want a boss. <laughs> that was all I knew. I was just like, <laughs> I just need to have, you know, I have, uh, I think a healthy issue with authority. Um, <laughs> I tend to, when I am an employee, I am such a good employee. I like give myself fully over and I am so committed. And then it just like sucks me dry and I have nothing left. Um, and so from the time that I was really young, I just knew that I wanted to start a business and I didn't know what I wanted it to be though. And I always felt like I didn't have a thing. Cause like I was, I really loved the idea of like figuring out a business, but I didn't, I always felt like but other people have like a thing that they can turn into a business, but I don't have like a thing. Um, I did my senior project in high school on, I wrote a business plan for a photography studio at the time, which I was like kind of into photography, but really I just wanted to write a business plan. And I like went and spent time with this photographer who owned her own studio and like learned about what it's like to like run your own business. And then it went to school for entrepreneurial management and while I was in school, um, I had been working at for this company that was just starting to open some retail stores and they asked me to start running some of their stores. And I ended up going to my advisor and being like, listen, I was offered this job and I'm wondering, like, can I figure out, can I get credit for that? <laughs> and so I was getting internship credit to run three stores. And I had to do a project on that. And so it was like writing reports on like how I was like merchandising the store and analyzing the sales. And like, I just like love, I, I love that stuff. I actually remember being in business school and one of my professors being like, who actually likes business? Like you're probably here because you like money. And I was sitting there and I was like, not real. Yeah. It's not really about, <laughs> like, I, I think that this stuff is cool. Anyway, so um, after I left, after I graduated, um, it was interesting because that was the first time that I realized, oh, knowing the right way to run a business is not enough to get you to actually start a business. Yeah. And I was such a, this is probably also why I love Audrey so much, such <laughs> a perfectionist, such a, I needed to be the best at everything. I'm not going to try anything. If there's any, if, if there's any, like, shred of possibility that I might fail at something. I'm just not going to do it because my entire identity was like, do things perfectly and like prove that I'm the best at everything that I do, which is not going to help you <laughs> when it comes time <laughs> to start a business. And so I was just like caught up in my, you know, I had just gone through that experience of running these stores. And then I ended up just kind of going with that. And I ended up working in brick and mortar retail for a while. And I was a GM for a big retail brand for a period of time. And I started to really love the, like, when you're a GM of a store, really no one comes around. And you can kind of treat the store almost like it's your thing. And like, I was working for one company at the time and they really wanted GMs who had this entrepreneurial mindset. And it was like this really cool experience for me to like start building teams and developing new managers and new leaders, but also like figure out how we could make our store operate really smoothly and make things really easy for people and implement processes and, and new systems for like making sure that people had, you know, especially my managers, I was like really big on like 
every single person needs to get a full weekend off every month. And like, if you're gonna, you know, things like that, where I was just like very protective over their time. And I was just very into making it work and like loved it for a while, but it also burnt me out because yeah. retail is brutal. Yeah. Um, and I ended up after like nine years in retail management, I ended up realizing I needed to do something that felt bigger than me. I can no longer be grinding for something that just didn't feel meaningful. Yeah. And I ended up moving into the nonprofit world and I was working for this really amazing um, nonprofit that was dedicated to providing um, healthcare for uh, drug users and people with chronic health conditions. And they actually put me through a bunch of process improvement training. Yeah. And, um, I just, I did the same thing there. I was like, okay, now I'm part of like this project management team. And like, I'm going to figure out how to make this, you know, how to make this run like the best that it can. And I, and I also kind of went into that role being like, this is my transition to recovering from the burnout of yeah. my career and then being able to dedicate my time to what's important to me. And while I was there, I started realizing there are so many people who have things that they want to turn into businesses and do not at all want to deal with the business side of it. Yep. And at that point, I had had so many years of training in like building up my business acumen and and like developing teams and developing leaders and and I just loved it. And so I started actually talking to friends of mine that were wanting to run businesses and just like helping them with stuff. Um, and then eventually uh, what ended up happening was my husband got a job that was on the, like across the country yeah. and we were going to have to move. And I was like, you know what? I keep telling myself that I'm going to figure out how to work for myself and I keep not doing it. This seems like the perfect opportunity. I'm just not going to look for a job and I'm just going to figure it out. And I started by doing um, process improvement and project management consulting. Yeah. Um, and people kept asking me to coach them. People yeah. just kept coming to me and asking me to coach them. And I was like, I'm not a coach. Don't, no, <laughs> I don't do that. You should go to this person. And, and then um, eventually, and it, it really, it was the pandemic starting and all of my corporate contracts for my project management consulting going away because they were, you know, keeping employees and cutting independent contractors. I was like, okay, you know what? I have all these people who have been listening to my podcast because I started a podcast around the same time yeah. who have been asking me to coach them. Maybe I'll do it. And like, it was wild to me because people were apparently just kind of like waiting for me to say, <laughs> say yeah, I will. Something. Yeah, I'll work with you in this. Um, and so that's my long-winded answer to your to your question and also like there's so much more in there that i haven't even gotten touched on yet yeah there's such a parallel there with so many other coaching stories that i've heard including my own where it's just like i'm not a coach mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah why do you want to pay me <laughs> right right and at the same time yeah it's interesting because i think at the same time like I coming from the background that I came from, I know that in 
good organizations and in businesses that are running really well, big businesses, big organizations, coaching yeah. is like the fundamental thing that makes for functional teams and that makes things run and that helps people develop in the role that they're in. Like no one gets great at what they do without some level of mentorship and coaching. Yeah. So it's so interesting to see the value of that and to see how important it is. And then the moment that you're doing it for yourself, you just like devalue, <laughs> devalue <laughs> it because suddenly it's like, yeah, it's just that thing that happens when you start working for yourself where it gets all wrapped up in like your identity and all of these other stories and untangling that is a whole process, yeah. as you know. The first time that I got exposed to coaching was kind of early 90s mm -hmm. and it, the only two types of coaching that were really available back then were executive coaching and mm -hmm. life coaching mm -hmm. so you had tony robbins on one hand uh -huh. and then you had ken blanchard on the other and it's mm -hmm. like those were the two models that we had to work with and so yeah. when people started asking me for help i didn't have it even as a coaching context the two were so foreign to me, you know, that I was just, I was just, you know, sharing what I know. <laughs> it's yeah. like, and then all of a sudden, oh, so that's coaching. Mm -hmm. Oh, very interesting. There was an, I remember the aha moment that I had and it's like, I guess I am coaching. Mm -hmm. Isn't that weird? Mm -hmm. And then I put coach on my business card and the rest is history. But mm -hmm. it took me several years of, of kind of, shaking my head and going, I don't know what this is, but it's not coaching, right? <laughs> yeah. And there's no company that's paying me to come in and work with the executives. And mm -hmm. there's nobody paying me $5,000 to come walk on fire for the weekend. Mm -hmm. I'm not a coach. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what I have also observed too, just having worked with a lot of different people who have gone into coaching is people think they're going to get a coaching certification and that is going to make what you're talking about go away and yeah. suddenly they're going to feel like oh no this is coaching and now i'm legit and I'm like, it doesn't it's oh not no. it I, I would have to say that probably the largest percentage of people that i've worked with on imposter syndrome yes have gotten a certification and they they feel like that they can't live up to it mm-hmm yeah. Just totally nuts, right? Yeah. And, you know, imposter syndrome, I've come to just accept as a part of the natural cycle of life. It's something mm -hmm. that we all go through when we're trying something new. Totally. You know, it's just kind of part and parcel for yep. putting ourselves out into a courageous situation. Yep. You know? Yep. I say all the time, I'm like, it's usually an indicator that you're on the right track. <laughs> you know? It. Whenever I'm feeling like, and this is something that I credit to Tanya Geisler, who is uh, incredible in her work on imposter complex, but um, whenever I feel that very familiar feeling of like, oh my God, people are going to find out that I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. I've gotten pretty good now at being like, oh, I'm onto something here. Like something's right around the corner. I am daring to do things differently. You know, yeah. when you can figure out that unlock, it really changes things. But also you still feel like a total fraud in the moment. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think the only thing that we can do is just get OK with that. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know? It's like it's not going to go away. The feeling ain't going to go away. Yeah, you know? totally. I'm with you. Well, talk to me a little bit. I mean, it's really interesting to me that, you know, straight out of college, you were going into management mm -hmm. and your internship, you know, it's like, boom, you're, you're a manager of three stores mm -hmm. or you're in some kind of a management role mm -hmm. in three stores. Um, that to me, first of all, is incredible. Second of all, how did, how did it feel to have that happen 
you know, when you were, you hadn't even graduated yet. Yeah. I loved it so much at the time. Yeah. Now, um, what I didn't love was that the person that I worked for was, was like the worst, like, <laughs> like such an example of like the kind of leader who I really didn't ever want to be in some ways she's she's fantastic but it, it was just it was a lot to work for her but what i loved was i was learning things and then i was getting to go and experiment with them and apply them and see how it improved things yeah and so that was just so fun for me and at the time i don't know even still now i look back on it and i'm like eh, it wasn't really a big deal like it was you know coming from like a brick and mortar retail kind of background i that's my biggest impostery thing yeah. where i feel like if people find out about that part of my background they're gonna think that i'm just like some because i don't i don't know like <clears throat> so it didn't feel like that big of a deal it just felt like what happened and yeah, I don't know, but I do remember like then leaving that job and going and applying. We had moved from where to a different state and I was yeah. going and applying to other management roles and they were like, "You were managing how many people when you were like 20?" Yeah. And I was like, "Yeah, you know." And they were like, it "Sounds like a lot of responsibility." And I was like, eh, "I guess." Like I just was kind of used to it, but it's interesting now because now I work with a lot of people who I mean, I mostly work with solopreneurs, yeah. but I do work with people who are starting to grow their teams specifically on like learning how to manage people and lead teams of people. Yeah. And it's so interesting now because I've, I'm realizing that my ability to have really hard conversations and give people feedback is so second nature to me that when I have a conversation with someone, and I'm like, yeah, you need to have a conversation with them. And this is what you need to say. And they're like, you just say that like, it's so nonchalant. Like, you're just you're just okay telling people that I'm like, yeah, because uh, like, after you do that for so long, you realize like, people want to know if they're doing a good job or not. And you just need to get used to just ripping off the bandaid and saying what needs to be said. And if you do it regularly enough, it's not that big of a deal, like just say the thing. But that was something I mean, I remember being like, literally, I was probably 19 years old. And I remember like, walking up to an like, a person who I was managing, who was probably like twice my age, probably more than that, honestly, and being like, you're, you're not gonna walk away without saying the hard thing. You're yeah. gonna say the hard thing, you know, having to like hype myself up into that being so young. And now I look back and I'm like, wow, I was like, I was like a baby. But yeah. <laughs> you mentioned that you really enjoy working with people who who have these really wonderful ideas, but they they shy away from the idea of creating a business around mm. that, you know, that idea that they've got. Can you talk a little bit about what are the ways that you demystify entrepreneurship for those folks? Mm. Well, look, this is what I always have to like break down for people. I'm like, listen to any one who has anything to say about entrepreneurship. And what yeah. they're gonna tell you is, if you can figure out a way that people in your community are not being served, and they'll call it innovate, right? Like innovate some solution for them. That is the foundation for creating a business. Yeah. So yeah. when I talk to people who are like a part of a community, 
really care about some weird little niche thing. And they're like, but here are all of the problems. Here's all the ways that we are not being served. Here's all the ways that we are being overlooked. Here's all the ways that we're being left behind. And they have some idea about how they can make that better. I'm like, that is literally the thing that everyone like me who really wanted to be in business but didn't feel like they had a thing, that's the thing that we have all been searching for. Like, please, <laughs> please do something with it because that's, that's, that's it. That's the foundation for a sustainable business. Yeah. You create a better way and it speaks for itself. If you can put your creativity into creating a better way and then you can, and then people experience that, it does all, it does so much of the work for you. Of course, you still have to market it, right? But even then, I mean, these are people who, most of the people that I work with are a part of a community. They really care about the people who they're here to serve. They're already in relationships with people. And so, I mean, you, you have such a head start. Yeah. Right. You have such a head start if your perspective is this isn't working. Because that's the hole. That's the hole that you fill. Right. And then you <laughs> use your creativity. This is why I like love people who are, you know, I, I talk a lot about um, like breaking rules because there's a thing that happens where you get online and you start learning from other people about the things that you're quote unquote supposed to do to grow your business. Yeah. And anytime that you start thinking about what's the right way to do this, really what you're doing is you're looking at how do I replicate things that have already been done? Yeah. How do I, how do I check all the boxes and do all of the things right? And it shuts down a certain amount of creativity. If you can like, let go of that, right? And I'm not saying don't learn from people. There's certainly like, there's people who specialize in things who have figured things out that you can incorporate and integrate. But anytime that I have clients who I can tell are really focused on what's the right way to do this, yeah, I have to really help them shift their focus back to how would you build it? If you could build it differently and better, how would you do it? And how can you be, how can you bring your creativity to the forefront? Because that is what is going to allow you to, again, create something better. And that is the foundation for a sustainable business. I mean, I feel like that's just established at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so you can put down the book on finding your purpose and what's your why. And you can just put that down because you've already found it. You yeah. You don't have to do any more exploring in that area. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know. And, and yeah, and that's a good point too, because I think all that stuff is so important. You know, I think you do. I, I, I think that all of that is important. And also I just find that so many people are, they already know. Yeah. Somewhere in their mind, they already know, but it feels uncomfortable. And so they're searching for something else, right? Searching for yeah. the easier way or the more certain way or the way that feels like it's going to be a guarantee. And it just doesn't exist in entrepreneurship. It just, there just, it just doesn't you, right? Yeah. It's like how you were saying, like, you know, you just have to get used to imposter complex being there. Yeah. It's the same thing. You have to get used to the fact that it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be a risk. It's gonna feel vulnerable. You're gonna feel like you're exposing yourself and it's gonna be completely uncertain. Yeah. It, totally uncertain. And you're gonna to have to get used to a certain amount of trial and error and things not working and all of that. But, you know, it's like, I started painting last year. I started oh, cool. oil painting. Yeah. And I was talking to the owner of the studio that I go to 
about this, how like business ownership and and painting are so similar. I'm not the first person to make the parallel, right? No. Like no. it's like the self-improvement books on creativity, you may as well be reading a book on business. Yeah. Um, but it's just, you know, going through the process of not being great at a thing and realizing that like you can watch somebody else paint the painting and then you can try to do the same thing but you're still gonna have to go through your own process of figuring out how to actually move the paint around to get it right you have to do it and yeah. like there's no amount of paint by number that's gonna get you ready for that you just have to like go out and like suck at it for a little bit <laughs> yeah. you have to be willing to suck that's that's one of the t-shirts that I am I'm certain to print at some point. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Success means being willing to suck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing that struck me as you were talking there is that sometimes people find that this, this purpose of theirs is actually something that seems really ordinary to them. Mm -hmm. And they don't understand that there is a need that makes it special in the world. And there's like this big realization that, that comes along that says, oh, wait a minute, this thing that I just kind of do naturally, all of a sudden, this person over here sees it as important and necessary and helpful, and they're actually willing to pay for it. Mm -hmm. Now what? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so what do you say to a person in that situation? Uh, well, you know, one of the things that I teach clients of mine, I have a group program where I kind of teach like some of the foundations of the coaching process that I bring people through. And one of the things that we talk about is how, you know, for you to hone your creative energy toward creating something different and creating something better for your community, which again, I think is the foundation for a sustainable business. Yeah, you've got to stop draining that energy into what's wrong with this situation here and why does everything feel so good and what's not on my radar and like what am i missing yeah i had to take i i'm gonna tell you like i'm gonna say maybe a, the first year and a half of my business was mostly me trying to get that part of my brain under control where i felt like i was on the down i was on like the drop of a roller coaster like on the verge of vomiting for like a year and a half where I was just like, this is out of control. Like, there's no way this could work. This is way too good. And I'm not saying it was like easy, but also it definitely felt easier than going to work every day. Yeah. Like, right? So that part of you that's like, wait, but this is so easy for me. And why would people want to pay me for this? That is just like your brain's sneaky way of distracting you from actually just building the thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And going off into the creation of this thing that like you could do probably unlike 99% of the population because of whatever weird thing, whatever bizarre makeup of like your upbringing and things that you're interested in, whatever, make you the person to build this thing. And it's just like our way of being like, no, 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 I'm not going to do that because instead I'm just going to like worry about all of the ways that this might be wrong or bad or unsafe. Right. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I'm just like, it's uncomfortable to yeah. just be like, 
yeah, okay, people want to pay me for this and it feels really easy, but I guess I'm going to do it. Certainly uncomfortable, but it's also just essential to learn how to kind of table that at least long enough to take that creative energy and put it into like moving forward with the thing. And yeah. you and I have talked about this before, right? It's through that just moving forward that you learn whatever it is that you are going to need next. You're yeah. going to get more information that's going to direct you into the next realm. You're going to get more comfortable. You're going to get more used to the discomfort. Things that felt uncomfortable are no longer going to feel uncomfortable. Things that you didn't think you were going to do are going to start to present themselves, right? It yeah. all kind of unfolds from there. Yeah, it's it, there's a there's also just kind of a natural organic quality about that unfolding too. It's like mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be forced uh, and it doesn't no. have to be manipulated at all. It's like if you just show up, you do the next thing, then you know, you're going to you're going to open up to a whole new vista. You're going to learn from that and then you're going to take another step. It, yeah. There's a very organic quality about it. That that's one of the things that surprised me too. And you talked about it's like the roller coaster going so fast that you thought you were going to lose it and, <laughs> and get sick. You know, well, <laughs> you know, I think that's one of the things that's kind of an an affirmation that you are on the right track is that there is an ease about it, mm -hmm. um, in some aspect of it, not necessarily mm -hmm. in all aspects of it. Mm -hmm. But I know for me, early on, it was so easy to deliver mm -hmm. and it felt effortless because mm -hmm. I didn't even feel like that it was me that was the source of that stuff. It was, it was just me mostly being a conduit and reflecting mm -hmm. back to the person something that they already knew about themselves. Mm -hmm. But it was just in a way that they could understand in the context right now. Mm -hmm. That was mm -hmm. easy. Mm -hmm. It's like I could do that and and I get energized by that. Oh my mm -hmm. god, not only was it easy, it was energizing. Yeah. Oh my god. To tell me that work has to be toil now. Oh no, I'm not <laughs> going to go back there ever right. again. But it goes it does go against, you know, everything that we've ever really been taught about the way that you should go toward big goals or the way that you should work or the way that, you know, how hard work works like yeah. I talk often with clients of mine about like, I make a distinction between being committed and hustling. Like, what's the difference between that? How can you be really committed toward your goals and to your business growth without falling back into that hustle? And to me, it's like the hustle is the thinking that you're going to somehow be able to figure out exactly how it's all going to go and then be on top of doing all the things. Commitment, yeah. though, is like, okay that's where I'm going. Like I have a, a vision for what I want to create. I have an idea of what I want this business or this life of mine in the business to look like and what I want for my clients. And I'm willing to let go, right? A bit. Yeah. It's like commitment is more of a release and a surrender. Yeah, totally. And, and hustling which is completely unsustainable and honestly, like from my perspective, rarely works because everyone that I've ever learned from who has gotten where I want to go is like, you got to let go. Yeah, you got, you know, it's much more of a release. The hustling, though, is what we were taught to do. And I, I mean, if you come from a background like mine, like I my family are I come from a, a family of where the, a lot of people did physical labor, you know, yeah. like lobster fisherman like you wake up at four o'clock in the morning and you brutalize your body to like just do to do this work and there was a lot of talk about like 
being lazy and who deserves yep. what. And if people made a lot of money and made a lot of money easily, it was like they get talked about behind their back and all of that stuff, right? And so we have to understand too that like all of that plays into why it is so hard to accept the easy way. Yeah, right. And why it is so not easy. Like there's a difference, right, between it like between like embracing ease and something being easy. Yeah. <laughs> and because of this, because it's like we have to unravel all of the discomfort. I still to this day sometimes feel like my dad's going to walk in here and yell at me if he sees what I'm doing. <laughs> like <laughs> just get to do that you know uh i i still have to give myself pep talks daily and be like yes we get to do this and people find this valuable and that's why we're making this money and that's why we're doing this work it's okay you're okay yeah. you know amazing right yeah those working class roots they come back and and i've i've, I've had that to deal with as well mm -hmm. um coming from a very working class background um i'm very interested um rule breaking is mm. central to your uh, way of life and philosophy and mm -hmm. it seems like to me that you can find a lot of ways to break a rule <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean specifically what i mean when i'm talking so i like to to first of all be clear yeah clients that i work with are people who have a lot of integrity and who are very concerned with doing business in a way that is going to be meaningful and is going to help people yeah and i so when i talk about breaking rules i'm not saying like just go ahead and like do whatever it is that you need to do for the sake of money and just be like as unethical as you want not at all because i just don't work with those people like those people just first of all would never even end up working with me because they would probably listen to one podcast episode of mine and be like yeah no <laughs> they're you know they're gonna go to somebody else so when i am talking to people who are who have really strong values of integrity and are really conscientious and want to do right by their communities. When I talk about rule breaking, what I mean is pay attention to what's not working. Yeah. Pay attention to what's not working for you. Pay attention to what's not working for the people that you serve and get curious about how you can do it differently, even yeah. if it seems like it makes no sense to other people, even if it goes completely against the standard advice, because that does two things. First of all, it sets you up for a way of approaching your business that's a lot more sustainable for you, right? So in the example of people who listen to this show, they've probably you've probably gotten all kinds of advice about how you can never grow your business if you don't start to build your team and yeah. work with other people and right. But if that's not what you want and that way of doing things isn't working for you, then you're going to get a lot further if you can let go of that advice, literally just tune it out and get creative about how you can run your business in a way that works for you. It's going to be a lot more sustainable for you. And if you try to force yourself into what you think you're supposed to do, um, it's not going to work. It's just, it, it is just, you're working against yourself in a way that is really gonna dull a lot of the things that make you great at what you do. But the other thing is when you can kind of harness that energy of imagining a different way and saying, oh, that's not really working. Okay, how can I do things differently even if it does go against the standard advice? That's also the key thing to challenging the status quo in the industry that you're in. It's the key thing to filling a hole um, and a need for your community that isn't being filled, right? Like, yeah. 
you don't want to just keep replicating what's already been done. That doesn't, that's not going to help anybody. So yeah, rule breaking to me is just about like, okay, this isn't working. And I think I'm supposed to do it because somebody said so, but because somebody said so is not strategic ever. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah. And you know, yeah, you paid $10,000 for that blueprint, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's right. (laughs) Yeah. And guess what? I paid a lot of money for a business degree. And the number one thing that it taught me is knowing the right way to do things is not going to help. That's the thing that it taught me. And I look back on that now and I am so grateful for the fact that I went through that, that program and got that degree, not because day in and day out, I'm using anything that I learned. I forget all of it, but because I know with full confidence at this point, you can learn from the best and you can spend a whole bunch of money on the education. And until you can figure out how to like get creative about what people need and like stop working against yourself and kind of release like we were talking about before like release the need to get it right and just go out and start taking action without that none of the information and knowledge is going to do anything for you yeah yeah so many parallels in our journeys uh i had a similar experience with my business school Mm -hmm. um, and felt absolutely unprepared for entrepreneurship after going through business school and getting a degree in it um, and I had a companion uh, degree in music and I had no idea how to have a music career, mm-hmm. God forbid. And so uh, it was just like, once I was out of college, I had to actually go get an education. Um, but I'm, I'm really curious, You've, you mentioned before that, you know, when you first started out on your own, you were doing the, the consulting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm very curious as to when you started being asked to do coaching, was mm-hmm. that would that have qualified in your opinion as a situation where you were breaking your own rules? Um, let's see. Well, in a lot of ways, yes. I mean, I was definitely a person who thought like, I'm not allowed. It felt like something I wasn't allowed to do in my own mind because I didn't feel qualified enough. And the reason I didn't feel qualified enough was because I was, when people wanted me to coach them, they wanted me to talk to them, talk with them about the stuff that I was talking about on my podcast, Uh, which was mindset stuff, which was, this is the internal experience that I'm having and the imperfection and navigating the imperfection and um, the surrender. You know, that's the stuff that they wanted my support with. And I felt like, well, I am a certified project management professional with uh, training in lean and a business Uh, degree and this and that. So if you want me to talk to you about strategies, we can do that. But I'm not allowed to talk about this stuff because what qualifications do I have? You know, and so that definitely felt against the rules for me, for sure. Um, And I think that a big part of the reason why I put off doing it for so long was because I was really scared that like, people were gonna find out that I was like totally not qualified, even though I had this podcast that I've been doing for so long where I was like 100% honest about everything that I was doing in my entire experience. And most of the people who were coming to me were people who had listened to that and were like, that's why I wanna work with you. Because you don't have 
all of this picture perfect experience of how you went through the whole process perfectly, you have the experience of like, just kind of taking one step at a time and it unfolding. And because I don't come from, I don't have the picture perfect experience. I want someone to lead me who doesn't have the picture perfect experience, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it was, uh, it was an interesting time. It's interesting to me that your that, that your coaching clients found you through the podcast experience Yeah. and they were attracted to your experience mm -hmm. and not necessarily that you had a, a five-step process or a five-step plan or a blueprint, but you just had the, you had the, the nitty gritty, honest process to share with them. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I tend to talk about a lot with my clients is that I will not sell you a blueprint because I don't believe that blueprints mm -hmm. are for everybody. Mm -hmm. But what I will do is help you find your fingerprint. Because mm -hmm. I do feel like that your business is as unique as your fingerprint and we need to really develop that according to who you are. Mm -hmm. I'm very curious for you, what were the, what were the important lessons for you as you built your business mm. um, that were like finding things that everybody suggested but didn't fit? Mm. Well... <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think I had a big head start, to be honest, Yeah. because of the fact that I had that business school experience. Yeah. I think that by the time that I got to, by the time that I started my business and the reason that I started podcasting the month that I started working for myself was because I had consumed so much information about entrepreneurship and about business. And I had always felt like it just was so surface level and so extraordinarily unhelpful. Yeah. Like, I was just like, can someone just be honest about what it's actually like when you're like in the thick of it? Can someone talk about it while they're doing it, please? Because you giving me your breakdown of how it all went like years later and like yeah. the highlights is not helping me and it felt very surface level. So I feel like by the time that I started, I had already got into a point where I was calling like BS on all of it. And so that meant that like, I never took one of those like I've I have not invested much money, honestly, in like online courses and stuff. I have had I've always had a coach. Yeah. And I have stuck with coaches for a long time. I've had two coaches. Um, one who I worked with for quite a while. And then since then I had one other one who I've worked with for like two years at this point. Yeah. Um, but I don't invest in like course after course after course. No. I never invested in a blueprint. I never invested in stuff like that because by the time that I got here, I was just like, that's not gonna do it. Like if a business degree didn't do it, that's not gonna do it, I'm sorry. Yeah. So I think that I had already learned that honestly. Um, but I will say that the number one, probably the number one lesson, if I were to like boil it down um, or find the umbrella lesson that so many others fit under, I think is the fact that struggling through things, it, as much as we wanna talk about ease and letting things be easy and all of that, and I think that that is all very real, I also know that you don't learn things without the period of, ugh, like, what is this that I'm yeah. trying to deal with here? Like, why do I suck at this? Like, 
why is this so hard? You know, and I think that I, in the beginning, I was really looking for, I really thought that, okay, I'm calling BS on all of this. I'm going to do it my way. And then everything's going to be easy. And now I'm like, oh no, it's also going to be really hard. And <laughs> there's going to be an endless amount of work, but it's like, I mean, it sounds so cliche, but like you can find the joy in the process. I think yeah. if you know that like you have to go through a certain amount of struggle. And so I, I think that so often people are looking for the blueprints and I was tempted in the beginning, like when I went to business school and stuff to find the easy three-step formula because I thought I shouldn't be struggling. Yeah. And now I know, oh no, like if it feels easy, I'm probably not doing what I think I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there can be ease again, like we were talking about before, there can be ease, yeah. but there's also some amount of struggle in just this constant untangling and figuring out how to do things better. You know, if you're trying to figure out how to do things better, you're always going to have to be stumbling through something or sorting out and reconciling all of these ideas and figuring out how everything fits. And it, I mean... Yeah, I've really had to get used to that. And so I think that yeah. that has helped me no longer look for the right way to do things. Because I just know, like, no, no one's going to be able to help me avoid this part. You know, yeah. I can get some I can get some tips from people. I can get some guidance from people that I trust. I need someone in my corner who will be honest with me and give me an outside perspective. But no one's ever going to be able to give me the easy solution that's going to cut out the the reality that it's just hard. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I love the fact that you've worked with coaches in, in, you know, your own path. And I also mm -hmm. really appreciate, you know, the fact that, you know, the, you're acknowledging that the struggle is a part of the deal and it is work after all. Mm -hmm. When struggling becomes suffering, then we really need to talk about something because right. we don't want it to become something that ultimately is damaging to you at, at a soul level, right? Of course. But the, the thing that I'm really curious about, um, I, I'm, I'm noticing our time here. I know. You've, you've given me like five ideas for other conversations. So this cannot Great. be our last one, period. <laughs> um, but the thing that I'm, I'm very curious about is if people are hearing what you're saying today and they want to take a next step with you. Mm-hmm. Where do they need to go and what do they need to do? Um, so I would say the best thing to do is go and take, I have a free workshop that you can take. Mm -hmm. um, and it's at bit.ly slash no business rules. Um, I agree with you. I do not believe in blueprints. However, mm -hmm. I have observed that almost every single person that I have worked with in this process of finding a way of approaching their business that does break the rules and is more sustainable for them has gone through a very similar process. Yeah. And so in that training, I kind of walk you through what that process looks like because I have found that it's really helpful to just be like, oh, it's normal where I'm at right now. I'm not alone in this. Okay, here's what comes next and can kind of point you in that direction. So. Um, I would take that workshop and then once you do that, then everything else that you need to know just will automatically come your way. Um, yeah. yeah. Give us that URL one more time. Bit.ly slash no business rules. You can also just go to my website, which is brooke-monahan.com and you'll find it there too. Anywhere that yeah. you go where you find me, essentially, I'm going to be putting that in your face. So rest assured, you'll know where yeah. the workshop is. <laughs> Brooke, I'd like you to tell us just a little bit more about Transcend Your Dichotomy. First of all, where did you come up with that title? 
Yeah. I came up with that title in a conversation with my amazing coach, Lena West, um, who is brilliant. And I was sitting with her, this was year, like a couple years ago at this point, and I was telling her, everyone that I am helping is in this struggle of, there's the things that I should do, and then there's the things that I want to do. There's the authentic me, and then there's what I think I need to do to be strategic. There's what I would do if I was in my values, and then there's what the business gurus are telling me I'm supposed to do. And me being like, I just need people to understand that if they can find the middle ground between those, it's not a choice, yeah. right? It's not a choice. And it's actually really interesting because I was listening to or um, an interview with, I think, Phil Stutz, something Stutz. There's that recent documentary that Jonah yeah, Hill made about his therapist. About. Yeah. yeah. And he said something like, when, to, when you can figure out how to make two things true at the same time, that's the definition of flow. And yeah. I was like, that's it, Boom. right? Because, and it's true in business. It's like, if you can find the way that is, that works really well for you, it is going to be the strategic way forward. Yeah. Um, and so I started, I named the podcast Transcend Your Dichotomy because that's really what it's all about. It's like, you don't actually have to choose between those two things. And there's so much more I could say about that, which is why I need a whole podcast about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, that's how it was born. And, and actually it used to be under a different name and it used to be a very different type of podcast because I just started talking about what I was doing as I started working for myself when I had no idea what I was doing. And I left all those episodes up um, so that people can hear like the imperfect stumbling through. There's a five, five month gap where there's no episodes because I burnt out. And then I came back and I was like, hey, y'all, I burnt myself out. Um, so I wasn't doing podcasts, but I'm back, you know, so. Yeah. yeah. Living and learning, are we? Oh, yeah. Very yeah. Good. Totally. Well, everyone who's uh, tuning in, you've been listening to Brooke Monahan And Brooke, this has been a delightful conversation. I'm sad to see it end, but I know it's just the beginning. Um, so if you're interested in Transcend Your Dichotomy, the podcast with Brooke, um, it's available on Apple Podcasts. Um, you can just do a search for it there. I'm, I'm, I'm almost certain that it's available in all the other places that podcasts are listened to as well. Yes. Uh, Brooke, yeah. thank you so much for being my guest today. And I will look forward to our next conversation whenever that happens. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I can't wait to come back. And I can't wait to talk to you on Transcend Your Dichotomy as well, because I know that you have lots to say to all of my listeners as well. And who knows, maybe someone who's listening here will hear us over there too. It's a beautiful thing. Everybody needs to uh, listen, subscribe, and share and review both of these podcasts. Yes. So uh, yes, it I helps a lot. Want to thank my listeners for their time and their attention. They're two most precious commodities. Thank you for sharing it with us. Thank you. Thanks for listening to your own best company. If you enjoyed the show, would you do me a favor and subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast host? If you really love it, leave me a review or share it with your circles. If you feel like your career is reaching a dead end or you're feeling a deep sense of dissatisfaction in your work right now, I help people discover their gifts and then find or create new opportunities that are the best fit for their talent, experience, and lifestyle. Email me at coaching at franklintaggart.com for more information. 
I also help people start, finish, and launch creative projects, and I offer an ongoing marketing mastermind for solopreneurs and freelancers. More information on these programs and services can be found at franklintaggart.com. Thanks again for spending this time with me.